and uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. We're going to be, apart from uh, engaging with the question of the treasurer, we're going to be talking about the persecuted church and, and possibilities in relation to, to building new relationships there and getting new vision in terms of the persecuted church. And we're also going to be looking at the way forward and, and discussing and thinking and exploring how we engage with the, the, the future direction and development of the church. Uh, so do put that into your diary. Come along. You're welcome to come and be part of that and the discussion. Anyway, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, and we're going to be looking at uh, the, the whole area of what are sometimes called the manifestation gifts. Let me just do a quick recap of where we've been looking at uh, in terms of spiritual gifts. And we've seen that when you become a Christian, you are baptized in the Spirit. Again, if you're Pentecostal, you probably disagree with that, but that's okay. But mine's is biblical. And um, the, uh, the, uh, Jesus, uh, we, we, you'll see tonight if you come. At the beginning of Mark, John the Baptist explains, I, I, you know, I baptize in water, but the one who comes will baptize in the Spirit. The declaration, in fact, you have it here from Ephesians 4, one baptism. The one baptism is not water baptism. And I know for Baptists this is hard to bear, but it's not water baptism. It's baptism in the Spirit. It is the one baptism. What creates unity, what defines us as a Christian, what makes us a member of the community of God's people is baptism in the Spirit. Now that should be demonstrated in water baptism. Okay, so I'm still a Baptist, you'll be glad to know. But actually, it's baptism in the Spirit that brings us into the body of Christ. And so we are all part of the body of Christ if we have been baptized into that body through His Spirit. And, and, and by that, it's describing Christianity. You see, in, in the early church, when somebody walked up to you, they didn't say, are you a Christian? That isn't the question they asked. They said, are you baptized in the Spirit? That was the question they asked. Because they understood Christianity, not in terms of a series of propositions. This isn't saying that propositions aren't important. But it wasn't a series of doctrines that you signed up to. Christianity began with a living encounter with the living God was Jesus Christ. And that encounter was brought about through his spirit. And so what they're saying is, have you encountered Christ through his spirit? And if the answer to that is yes, then you are part of the body of Christ. And the spirit of God is in you and working through you. Now, Paul in 1 Corinthians, uh, particularly 12 through 14, wants to begin to unpack what does this mean for us in terms of the functioning of the church. And he uses the analogy of the body. And he says the Spirit of God that is within us begins to function and express himself in different ways through each individual. But every individual is important in that expression. So it's not just the ministry of the pastor or the worship leader or a house group leader that's important. Everybody is important. The work of the Spirit through you as an individual is essential to the life of FBC. And, and I know some of you don't believe that. You think, oh, I'm not that relevant. And, uh, last week we were talking about there are visible 
uh, ministering to everyone, and you might be thinking, well, I'm not really noticed, and I don't really minister to anyone, uh, or just one or two people. But we saw last week how important those individuals are in terms of the life of the church. In fact, Paul equates those individuals to like the liver <laughs> or the kidneys. You just imagine your liver packs up. Uh, do you think it will make a difference? I know you all love my medical illustrations. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> and, and, and what Paul said is we are all essential. And, and, and as he goes into this he, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the functioning of spiritual gifts. I want you to understand that you are all essential to the work of the Spirit in the life of the church. And, and he introduces right in verse 4 kind of four different distinctions or rather three, I'm doing well this morning, three distinctions in terms of the work of the Spirit. He says there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different results, but the same God. Now, those words that are being translated there as gifts, ministries, and results, our English translations don't really do justice to them, are the words charismaton, diakonon, and engernaton. And these words are expressions of the work of the Spirit. And I've argued that they possibly aren't saying the same thing in three different ways. But actually, they're denoting three different expressions of the Spirit through us. And it's interesting in the New Testament, if you look at it, we actually have three lists of gifts. We have a list of gifts in Romans 12. We have a list of gifts in Ephesians 4, which is also repeated in 1 Corinthians 12. And then we have a list of gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And, and sometimes people express these as, we can go to the next slide, sorry, as the motivational gifts. And we, we saw that that's the word charis, the word grace. It, 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 we get the word character from that, that God has shaped you through his spirit in a particular way. And, and that each one of us has a particular inclination. So when we come into a situation, some people want to be prophetic and speak into it and say, you need to sort yourself out here. We need to get this right. Others want to get alongside people and sympathize with them as the prophet upsets them. Uh, 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 other people have gifts that they want to give. Um, other people have uh, gifts in terms of healing. But we all have different character. And God works through us in that way. So, so in any situation. And then there are different roles or, or services, the word diaconate. So there are different services in the church. And some people have public service, which ministers to everyone. And some people minister behind the scenes to everyone. Some people just minister to individuals behind the scenes. And, and they're not seen. But every single one of those roles is important and essential. So God has made you to be a particular person with a particular character, and he wants you to understand that he has called you to a specific role within the life of the church. That may, that may be just praying for, I say just, but praying for the life of the church. That may be your role as an intercessor. But every single one of us has a calling and a role. And then this third element that we're going to look at this morning is the whole area of manifestation gifts which is when God calls you into a role, he doesn't expect you to do it in your own strength. One of the amazing things as a Christian is that we have a supernatural resource that is available for us to draw down on. 
Uh, as some of you may have gone and seen the, the movie The Hiding Place recently, which I think has been doing the rounds again, which is the story of Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom was sent to Auschwitz during the Second World War. And, and she tells her story in this book, incredibly powerful. And you, you begin to, to think of what it must have been like to be in those situations. And you, you think, I could never deal with those situations. I could never handle that. And, and the thing like Corrie Ten, people like Corrie Ten Boom, and the thing that they say is when we find ourselves in these situations, suddenly we realize that there is a supernatural resource that God wants to release to us. You never have to face any situation alone if you're a Christian. God is present. And sometimes we don't feel that's true, but he is. And, and when we're doing ministry, we're, not, we're encouraged not to do it just because we have a natural aptitude or inclination to it, not even because we have a calling to it, but we're encouraged to do it in the power of the Spirit. Do you remember the criteria that they used to call deacons in the New Testament? Do you know what it was? They were full of the Holy Spirit. They said, is God empowering these individuals? And that word that we have, the, the word uh, egembaton, is the word we get energy from. Uh, but it, it, it communicates this idea that there is a divine energy flowing through us as we minister. And, and, it, and it's, it, it's really obvious when you are functioning in your own strength or when you're allowing God's energy to flow through you. I'm, I'm always amazed sometimes. Um, I'll get up and do a sermon and I'll think, that was terrible. That was rubbish. I'll start, you know, <laughs> Believe it or not, it does happen, I know. And uh, I just say, oh, really, that was a mess. Uh, and then you go home, and then suddenly emails start arriving. Oh, God really spoke to me this morning. And, and you know that that wasn't you. And then there are other times where you stand up and you think, oh, that was perfectly delivered. That should be put up there on YouTube as an example of how to do the perfect talk. That everything was right. The illustrations were good, everything. And nothing. Yeah, you go, hmm. There's a lesson here. You see, we are to serve with God's empowerment. And it's that empowerment. And we are to seek that empowerment. And, and the motivational gifts relate to the empowerment of God in terms of what we do. Let, let's, I'm going to just, uh, can I go down to slide nine? Um, in, in terms of that empowerment, we're told in the Bible that it's possible to quench the Spirit and it's possible to grieve the Spirit. So although we are baptized in the Spirit and the Spirit of God is at work in us, it is possible for us to shut the Spirit down in our lives and in the lives of others. And I might, you think, oh, no, that can't be, but it is. You know, and, and, and you think about that, that's quite amazing because we're talking about the Spirit of God that our churches have the capacity to shut down. We, the Spirit of God and His empowerment, and we have the ability to grieve Him in terms of our failure to recognize and allow Him to work through us. 
Paul says, don't quench the spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5, that relates to prophecy. He says, when people prophesy, and, and, and when the, the gift of prophecy is exercised in the church, and although last week I was saying I'm not sure about using the title prophet in the contemporary church, but we can have that debate later, I still believe in the gift of prophecy, that the spirit of God prophesies and God speaks. And, and, and Paul was saying, when that happens, you know, make sure you don't have a... Oh, nutty person they think they're hearing from god what's wrong with them he says wait wait evaluate what is said evaluate if this is god speaking and always be open to it and, and it's something throughout my life i've always tried to be open to when people say i feel god is saying something that we wait that doesn't mean if somebody feels god saying something it's god saying something you've got to remember that discernment's an important ministry gift but actually we need to weigh what is being said and, and Paul says you can quash the spirit by an attitude that is dismissive of the gifts and work of the spirit. Interestingly, in Ephesians 5, he also suggests that we squash the spirit by our relationships, our family relationship. You know, when Paul says in Ephesians 5, go on being filled with the spirit of God, uh, how does he then describe what that looks like? And you might be thinking, well, it looks like last night where you get prayed for and you have a sense of the Spirit, an experience of the Spirit, and that's what it means to go on being filled with the Spirit. But if you look at Ephesians 5, you'll discover, be filled with the Spirit. And then he talks about how you relate to your kids, how you relate to your wife, how you relate to your husband, uh, how you relate in a, a work context, much, much harder. <laughs> he says, let God empower you and energize you as you're a parent. As, as you relate to your spouse, you need the empowering of God in those situations. But the third area where we quench the spirit, and I think it's the principal area that the church has quenched the spirit, is in our theology. Um, and we do this in various ways. The first way I think that we've done this is, is through this idea uh, that's called, we have, give it a big title, but it's called cessationism which basically says that the work of the Spirit, as we see described in 1 Corinthians 12, where, where we, we have gifts of healing and words of knowledge, where we have uh, the, the expression of prophecy, all of that stuff is not for today. How many of us grew up in churches where we were taught that? And, and that was kind of the teaching. And, and it's called cessationism. And, and the, the, the problem with this thinking is it's based on a wrong understanding of what the gifts of the Spirit are. Uh, we, we talk of the gifts of the Spirit, but actually, theologically speaking, this idea is wrong. Uh, there aren't gifts of the Spirit. There is actually the gift of the Spirit. You see, the gift is the Spirit of God. And then that Spirit of God expresses himself through us in various ways. So the idea that the Spirit of God has somehow chosen not to express himself in these ways anymore is suggesting that there was a fundamental change in the nature of the Spirit. Because we receive the Spirit, and Paul is saying, this is how the Spirit of God expresses himself through you. So if it's the same spirit that they had in the first century, then in the 20th century or 21st century, I'm doing well, uh, we, we should expect and anticipate the spirit of God to be expressing himself in the same way. 
See, people kind of say, well, we don't really need the Spirit because we've got the Bible now. But to suggest that we don't need the empowering of God now is absolute folly. Because without God's empowering, I just don't think we can face what we have to face. So God has given us the gift of the Spirit. And that Spirit now expresses himself through you. Second thing I want to say about that gift of the Spirit, and this was a point Peter makes, is that when the Spirit was given, he was given to everyone. Didn't matter if it was slave or free, black or white, male or female, the same Spirit was given to everyone. Now, people kind of think that the Spirit of God comes, and he comes into a person's body, and he determines whether you're male or female. And the Spirit of God comes and he says, Ah, it's a woman. I can't express myself in these ways because it's a woman. Just think about that, right? That's what we say. The Spirit of God can express himself through you in this way because you are a woman. Now, now if, if I was to put it another way, so what we're doing is we're saying the work of the Spirit is determined by external factors. If, if I put it another way, where people would say the work of the Spirit when he comes into a person who's white, he says, oh, I can't work in this person in these ways. Or he comes into a person who's black and he says, I can't work in these ways because of the color of this person's skin. Do we believe that's what Peter is talking about in Acts 2 about the work of the Spirit? Peter is saying the Spirit of God is poured out on male and female, Gentile and Jew, on slave and free. And what he's saying is the Spirit of God is the most egalitarian force on the planet Earth. Because the Spirit of God will work through everyone. And he doesn't determine his work and say, oh no, it's a woman. I can't lead through this woman. And, and again, the problem is that we take a series of verses... And we isolate them and we fail to see the big picture of the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is poured out on everyone. Now, in 1 Corinthians, this was creating some issues, but that's another sermon. And we can go in there. But the point is here, the Spirit of God works. And you know what happens when we say, because of your sex, because of the color of your skin, because of your background, the Spirit of God cannot work through you in a particular way. You know what we do to the Spirit of God? We quench him. And, and, and this isn't about theological difference. This is about the work of the Spirit and our theology and understanding of what it means to be a Christian for the Spirit of God to work through us. So every one of you has the Spirit of God, and God wants to empower you. Now, how does he empower us? Well, if we go back to, can we go back to slide 10, 8, manifestation gifts? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's a list of these manifestation gifts. And we're told that the Spirit of God brings wisdom and knowledge. And, and so when the Spirit is there, he empowers us. Now, these are two gifts. Does anybody know the difference between knowledge and wisdom? So, so knowledge is knowing that your car is about to run out of petrol. Wisdom is stopping and filling it up. Yeah. So, so these are gifts, and, and it talks about a word of knowledge or, or the idea of the gift of knowledge. Sometimes the Spirit of God, as he works in us, he lets us know things that we could not possibly humanly know 
unless the Spirit of God told us. Think of the, the woman at the well with Jesus. Jesus knew stuff about that woman. How did he know? Nobody had told him. The Spirit of God said, this is what's happening. So, so that's what it means by God will give you sometimes knowledge that you don't otherwise have. Sometimes God will give you wisdom. Uh, and, and many times we face situations where it's like, what do we do in this situation? And, and oftentimes what we do is we try and figure it out. But actually, the Spirit of God gives us insight. And, and here's the thing sometimes that happens in a corporate context. You know, because you might be lacking that wisdom of the Spirit, and you sit down with a group of people and suddenly hear a word of wisdom. It's not come from them, it's come from the Spirit. And you think, yeah, God's just spoken into that situation. Really important gifts. We need these gifts today. He then talks about gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. These all relate to ministry to individuals. So that word faith, um, I, I think it means, this is my thought, might be wrong, but I, I think it's about faithfulness. It's the same word, faithfulness. But what he means is the ability to stick with someone and not give up on them. And, and sometimes, humanly speaking, the person's gone, we just can't deal with this person or this situation or this individual. And the Spirit of God comes and he brings an empowerment that allows you to be faithful, to stick with the situation to sit, stick with the individual in a supernatural way. People look at that and go, how did you deal with that? And you sit and go, how did I deal with that? But it was the empowering of God. Healing, well, again, that's where you pray for someone and God works through you to, to heal them. Miracles, this uh, relates probably to, to the idea of exorcism, but the, the idea of helping people be free from the things that bind them and hold them. You know, that's oftentimes... We cannot set ourselves free from some of the things that hold us in our lives. And, and in order to get set free from it, you need to be prayed for by other Christians. And, and amazingly, because the work of the Spirit occurs there, people are broken and set free. We had a, a situation a few weeks ago where somebody came in from the street and they were totally deranged. And uh, Jonathan, who's you know, Jonathan, for, who, who leads worship here sometimes, and, and is from an African context, so he's kind of much more used to this. Uh, this person came in and he said, can I pray for you? And he began to pray. And actually, you visibly saw the person being set free from the stuff that was happening. It was like, whoa, what's that? That's that gift of miracles being exercised. Paul then gives us two sets of two. He, he turns to prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretation. He says, and, and he, he wants to emphasize prophecy, he's saying, be open to God speaking through you. And he says, we need people to be open. In fact, all of us should be open to God speaking through us. What is the prophetic word that God wants to bring? See, when we come to the gathering, to be honest, I'm sure your opinions about the church are great, but I'm not that concerned about them. I know you go, well, that's Alistair's leadership feeling. But I'm more concerned about God's opinion. I'm more concerned about what God wants for SBC. And I'll tell you, if you can bring a sense of what God is saying to us, and, and, and you know, you, you seek that and you say, God, what are you saying to us? Not what's my opinion. I mean, that's actually what we believe we do in a church meeting. Seek God's opinion, not, not even reach a consensus of 12 people think this is good and one bad thinks this is bad. But actually, what does God think? That's what we're seeking. And, and, and Paul says, 
Whenever prophecy comes, you must have discernment because when God speaks, you've got to weigh up. Is this God? So if somebody thinks God's speaking, it isn't like, this is the word of God. If you don't agree with it, I'm upset or leaving or you're disobedient to God. No, you have to appreciate that there has to be a discernment. So he says there's prophecy and discernment. And, and then he says there's tongues and interpretation. Again, vast amount of stuff has been done on tongues. And, uh, and tongues was creating some issues for Paul. Paul was worried that people were coming into the services from outside and, and everybody was speaking in tongues and they all thought they were insane. And they were like, wow, what's going on here? And, and so Paul says, you know, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have tongues. He says, in fact, I use tongues more than any of you. But, but you have to understand that tongues is a language of prayer that God gives you. You, you sometimes find yourself in situations where you don't know how to pray. Sometimes you just get a shocking piece of news or you hear something terrific and, and, and there's a sense of what do we pray? And, and, and God gives us a language to pray in and, and the Spirit enables us to pray in those situations. And that's how Paul understands tongues. But he says when that happens, and, and so it's a private gift that builds people up in their personal prayer life. But, but he says if it's exercised in church, then it should always have an interpretation. And by the way, if you hear an interpretation of a, a tongue in a church where somebody says, thus saith the Lord, da 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 da, um, it's probably not a right interpretation because a tongue will always be directed towards God and not towards us in terms of its interpretation. If you read 1 Corinthians. What's the point that Paul's trying to make here? These are amazing gifts. Believe it or not, if you have the Spirit of God, God can work through you in all of these areas. And what he's saying is, as we come together, we need to know the empowering of God so that we can minister to one another, so that we can bring the empowering of God to each other. See, see uh, last night, there, were, there was some prayer for individuals. And I, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where you've come and, and people were being prayed because some folks felt empty and, 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 and you feel empty. And, and you feel, I can't get myself out of this situation. I can't resolve it. I just feel empty. I feel at the end of myself. And then a brother or sister comes and they lay hands on you and they pray for you. And have you ever sensed that sense of, wow, that, that energy, that empowering of God is suddenly imparted to you. Paul's saying a church needs to function like that. If you do your ministries, if you do your roles and exercise who God has made you, and you do it without the empowering of spirit, the empowering of the spirit, you're going to find yourself exhausted. But if you do it knowing the empowering of God, throwing through one another as we pray for one another, minister to one another, then God will be glorified. We need to have ministry gifts. We need to have motivational gifts and we need to have manifestation gifts and see the work of God's Spirit through each one of us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and we, we just pray that as we think about these things, Lord, that we would know the empowering of God. God, forgive us for the times that we have quenched your spirit, for the times that we have been cynical about the words of prophecy and you speaking through individuals. Lord, forgive us for the times that we have created theologies that suppress the work of your spirit, which suggests that your spirit only will work through certain individuals. 
Lord, I pray that we would understand what it means to have the Spirit of God, to be one body, and to have you working through every individual of that body. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. So, so as the children come in, let's stand and sing, Heal Our Land. Again, the chorus of this is, Spirit of God, breathe on your church and pour out your presence. Let's stand and sing. Amen. 